Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are hanging with me here tonight. And we are talking rock, talking metal with a guy I recently hung out with in Los Angeles for the first time. He's been on the podcast a number of times, but we actually hung in person recently at the, the Rainbow in Hollywood. Carl Alvarez. Carl, how are you, man? Oh, I'm pretty good, Mark. It's good to talk to you and... Uh... Good to hang out when we did the hang. It was like four weeks ago, but it was really cool. Yeah, and wow. Time goes yeah. by fast. Yeah, about four weeks ago. And just so the listeners know who you are, you are a longtime hard rock metal fan. Uh, you grew up in the, uh, what, Orange County area, was it? I grew up in... Uh, North of... I'm trying to it think. was a, a town called Redlands, which is more of like, they would call it the Inland Empire if you were a, a Southern California 909, although it was not a 909 area code when we were growing up. It was always 714. Oh, okay. But, uh, 60 miles east of uh, Los oh, Angeles. East, okay, okay. And you also worked on the Inside Metal documentaries. So, the, yeah. Yeah. yeah which we highly recommended, uh, highly recommended viewing, of course, great stuff. And you worked with Bob on those as well as many Bob Nelbandian, that is as well as many, many others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were covered the LA scene very in depth and, um, definitely it's a something you could still watch. It's on Amazon and uh, a lot of other streaming platforms. So I recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's start talking about where we hung out in Hollywood, kind of a, historic place in the you know story of hard rock and heavy metal the rainbow bar and grill on sunset in hollywood 
how many times like do you do you, are you frequent the place often i know you're in california but you're not necessarily right in hollywood is it a place you get to frequently well it seems to be a destination point for a lot of people especially if you're going to go to like the whiskey like to a show there it's like hey let's let's meet up at the rainbow it seems to right. be a place for everybody to go but you personally had you been there in a number of years or when we hung there was it your first time there in a in a, in a while um, I usually go up there maybe once or twice a year. Okay. There's always something going on or meeting somebody. Um, in fact, I met my friend. We went to the Sebastian Bach show at the Whiskey probably a couple weeks after we met. So oh, really? Okay. It's a definite, you know, place to to meet up and you know get a pizza, grab a brew, whatever, see the scenery, hang by the fireplace, whatever, you know. Right on. Now, the Rainbow. I mean, I I first went there. The first time I went there was probably like 2000. Uh, no. Yeah. The first time I went there was like 2001 or two, probably 2001. Um, and I've been there many a time, many a time since. Uh, when I say many a times, I mean, you could probably count them all on, on one, maybe two hands. But um, I feel like when we were in there, the vibe was a little different than what it, I remembered it being like the first time I went there back in, in 2001, which it seemed a little crazier back in 2001. Have you noticed the vibe of the place change through the years? Yeah. You know, it, it, it a lot of times it depends what time of week you go to. Like okay. the weekend was just going to be a, a circus of different people coming through there. It's just like, like a big, it's a big destination spot. I mean, people that come to LA, they, they're the rock people or they're clubbers or hanging out on sunset strip. That's just where people go. So you got a mixture. Like when we were there, what well, was a Friday night? Um, there was just a mixture of like tourists and out of towners and locals. You just get a mishmash of just about everybody there. You know, it seemed, I mean, we, it seemed like a tame crowd to me though. Cause I remember when I was there in 2001, like, I, I swear to God, people were fucking doing lines up up in the upstairs, like just playing in plain in plain view. Like uh, it was it was absolutely insane. Guy was selling ecstasy. It, it was just and people just seemed like they were out of their mind. It seemed like there was a younger crowd there in two thousand one. Um, and then I was there probably like two thousand four. I then I did an interview with Slash there in two thousand seven, so I can't really count that experience. But then yeah, I hadn't been there. I think the last time I was there was actually two that when I interviewed Slash in two oh, wow. in December of two thousand seven. Um and that I can't even judge it because that was just like it you know, they had the room roped off for, for Slash. Um but it, it yeah, seemed like it wasn't as chaotic. Like it didn't seem like it was just like, wow, this is off the hook debauchery and, and craziness when, when, when we were hanging there and maybe, maybe I'm just older and I, I maybe I wasn't there at the right time or something, but it, it seemed a little more tame to me. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I've gone there. I mean, I haven't seen the lines and I'm sure that's happened before, but you know, it's, it's typically not my scene, but I'm sure it happens and it did happen. And maybe there was a phase where it was more of a debaucherous. I mean, it's got that reputation, obviously. I mean, way before us even. Right. I mean, I didn't start going to the rainbow until like 1986 when okay. I found it on my radar where, Hey, we got to go to this rainbow place. It seems to be the cool hang, you know, and Lemmy's hanging out there and 
different rock people. Oh, okay, cool. Let's go up there. And, you know, sure enough, there's always somebody there at any given time. I think when we went, it, it didn't seem to be any sort of thing going on, you know, where, you know, uh, artists were in town or, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, whatever the big thing was happening. Although your next night that, that uh, Guns N' Roses show, I mean, you'd think there'd be people hanging at the rainbow prior to that or after that, you know? Yeah, it could be. It could be. We saw like more like craziness at like this uh, Chateau Maman down the street. Go. Yeah, then 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 we saw at the the Rainbow. We saw a little craziness. We had Ron Jeremy walking around while you, while we were hanging there. What was up with him? He he wouldn't. We tried to buy him a drink, and he didn't. He said he didn't drink alcohol anymore. But he seemed a little out of it to me, didn't he? I mean, did he? I don't you know. know like, I, was that I, like meds? Or, or I what? Think, I think I left right after that had happened. I remember you mentioned that and stuff. So he's a fixture. He's always around. It seems you can it's it's very good chance to run into him anytime, any place. I remember I saw him there. He was hanging with the Nelsons. This is like ninety three. So like the Nelsons have kind of fallen out, you know, they were still doing their thing. Probably had a following, and I remember he was hanging out with one of them. They were, it was kind of a weird thing, like Ron Jeremy and one of the Nelsons. It just seemed like a odd mix, but they right. were hanging. <laughs> right. Huh. Interesting stuff. Cool. All right. So let's uh, let's move on, and I wanted to talk about Ozzy Osbourne, one of my favorite topics, because uh, last night I was out at. Um, the last in line show, which is Vivian Campbell. Uh, what's the singer's name? Uh, Andrew uh, Freeman. Freeman, yeah, and who is great, by the way. And mm-hmm. Vinny Apice on the drums, and Vivian Campbell. So it, you know, essentially two guys from that classic Dio lineup from those first three albums, and then you have you know Andrew just doing a great job with the vocals and and. Phil Susan on bass, but and you know Phil was part of the the Ultimate Sin album by Ozzy Osbourne, and a big part in uh, part of you know the main songwriter I guess on the song Shot in the Dark. So I've I don't know I've just really been thinking a lot about that album lately, and I recently did a guest spot, the Ultimate Sinner guest spot on on Ozzy's Boneyard, and I played Fool Like You off that record, and. Ozzy was recently in the press saying he doesn't have fond memories of that record. I can't remember if he said he doesn't have fond memories of making it or he just doesn't like it, it was, or both. Um, but I, I think it was such a great record for Ozzy, and I wanted to get your opinion on on that era of Ozzy's career, which was kind of a, a unique look and sound for him because... I felt like it had kind of evolved from Bark at the Moon. Bark at the Moon seemed like it was kind of going in a few different directions. It, it, in a way, it was like a a bridge between the Randy era and where they'd end up with the Ultimate Sin. But um, yeah, the Ultimate Sin it was as close as Ozzy ever got to like. 80s metal if you will in my opinion like the the sunset strip bands you know it was, it was that's as, as close as he got to that sound what what were your thoughts about the album the ultimate well, sin i look at that record in 1986 you look at the bands that were signed to major labels now ozzy always seemed to set the standard with any record that he put out 
throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s even. I mean, he kind of set the standard. So I think when Bark, um, when Bark of the Moon, it was a new band. So they were kind of just formulating the, 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 the whole coalescence of this new band, you know. And then I think by the time Ultimate Sin came out, it seemed to be the formula had notched up a little bit. The, the production was a little heavier. Uh, Nevison came in there and really dialed them in. Uh, the songs and I think what Ozzy did was he didn't get caught up in commercialism which a lot of the bands were and it was a commercial effort don't get me wrong but it had a lot of dark heavy overtones uh, in 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 the music I mean Ozzy Black Sabbath that they're always going to appear at any given at, at any given time but you look at the bands that were on the major labels that were putting out product in 1986 like right. Sabotage, who had Power of the Night before that. And then they came out with their next record, which was really lightweight. I, I can't remember the name of the record, but it has the flag on it. Um, and then um, Raven, here's another band that really started out as a heavy band. And then it, it, I think um, The Pack is Back was kind of a weak record. That Dude, was the one after It's Hard? Yeah, yeah, I think right around that phase, it would just they they were started to kind of go in this commercial, and it wasn't working for them. And Priest, Judas Priest, Turbo, um, was a kind of a commercial, right. kind of lightweight. You know, I mean, they still were able to keep it together and do these world tours and stuff. So, so Ozzy was kind of straddling the line between that. You know, so the that record it, it's unique in that sense because it 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 kind of embarked on kind of a heaviness but yet sticking within the Aussie formula right and that Black Sabbath formula I guess that he would be doing in the 80s yeah so I got those are my thoughts on on that record and obviously doing the tour with Metallica in the US that you know that's always a smart play he always got the the bands that were kind of breaking or close to be breaking yeah and it was always different you know he always had a different band yeah warming up and it fit you know it was a it was a good fit yeah and the you know that the ultimates in tour was truly in my opinion the introduction um of metallica to the world i mean a lot of us underground metal fans knew about metallica at that point but that you know they were still fresh on the uh the edge of their major label push at that point it was an amazing break for them but i remember and i think i probably told you this before on on a previous episode that you were on that when i was at that show there were a handful of people i saw that in chicago metallica opening for ozzy in 1986 there were a handful of people that were you know like left after Metallica played, you know, and we're making a big thing about, I'm not staying for Ozzy, Metallica, you know, that's it. And so, which is interesting. And and at that time too, in 1986, you have to remember, you know, Sabbath now, when we think about 70s era Sabbath, it's just the coolest thing in the world. And everybody thinks, you know, that's, that's the shit, you know, that's, that's the, the stuff that, the building blocks of heavy metal. And it was, you know, along with a few other bands, but in 1986, Sabbath was not cool. And, and I tell this to younger kids and they don't, they don't get it. Kiss with makeup was not cool in 1986. That was like, Oh, that laughable seventies stuff. You know, it, it just, 
that cheese ball stuff from the seventies. We don't like that. You know, that's not, that's not where we're at now. So, so being seen as it's, it's kind of dirty, dirty biker, biker motorcycle kind of stuff. That's, that's old. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and it wasn't until the nineties that both makeup era kiss and, um, you know, Sabbath or maybe the, even the, I would say the late, like 89, 1990s really where where we started being able to accept certain bands from the 70s where there were other bands that never really went out of style like i mean you could say the eagles even though they had broken up led zeppelin you know those bands were still cool throughout the the 80s i mean fm radio was embracing them and playing the shit out of led zeppelin through the 80s even though led zeppelin didn't exist the same with the eagles even though the eagles didn't exist at that time you know and they were still you know, championed by the rock stations and and people who were controlling the the rock magazines and media and stuff. Where where honestly, Sabbath and Kiss weren't until things turned the corner and and you know, Alice in Chains and Pantera and stuff started saying, no, that was the cool shit. You know, that was that was the, that was the great shit. And then you know, suddenly Paul Stanley was like, well, you know what? We're going to start playing more than three or four songs from the makeup era and the set list. And, and, you know, Ozzy started when bringing back war pigs into his set list and where his, for years, Ozzy was only doing Iron Man and paranoid and a little bit of children of the grave, you know? So it was like, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. So, but, but that was a real interesting time for Ozzy. And to me, it was, the the closest he got to really embracing the sunset strip and 80s metal look and sound and and i loved the album and i thought it i thought it worked terrifically well it it was a good selling album in the mtv era obviously that uh, you know shot in the dark video was really kind of a visual and it kind of culminated that like you said the, the sunset strip kind of thing when dweezil zappa being in the video and it just kind of had a lot of all the elements and you know sometimes when you spread things out so far out in the realm people kind of lose focus of what it's all about but with ozzy it seemed to be always a, a milestone with every record that he came out with and it seemed to be like in 1986 that was kind of the milestone record as far as the commercial metals scene goes yeah. So on that note, let's uh, get into some music off that record. The record, of course, side one was the ultimate sin. Secret loser. Never know why. Thank God for the bomb. I mean, I love all these songs. Never. Never. I was so so on the side two. Lightning strikes. Killer of giants. Fool like you. Shot in the dark. I mean, God, what a side two. Epic. I mean, those songs are are epic. Uh, Fool like you is a song I recently did on my ultimate sinner guest spot on. Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius XM. So let's do another one here on the podcast. This is a song that he played in 1986 when I saw him. Uh, Epic Jakey Lee guitars on this. This is Killer of Giants by Ozzy Osbourne.
Giants off the Ultimate Sin album by Ozzy Osbourne, 80, 86, right, Carl? 
Yes, 19, yeah. March of 1986 it came nice. out. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, Carl... I go to a ton of shows. You you had texted me earlier, and you're like, maybe we can talk about some of our, our favorite shows from 2019. And I have to admit, I was getting a little stressed out because I, I it all kind of blurs together. I'm like, well, when did I see Ministry in New Jersey? Was that, was that 2018? Was that 2019? So I'm right now going through my Facebook page trying to figure out what shows I actually went to in 2019. Um, but so let's let's start with you. What shows jumped out? for you as some of your favorite concerts of 2019. Tell us the shows, where you saw them, and what you remember about them. Well, it, this past year seemed to be the, 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 the year of the bands that are classic that were rolling through. I mean, we had Kiss, which I didn't go see, but the Farewell Tour. Um, but Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, they rolled through our town, our, our Southern California and uh, I, I, I would, I mean, Priest is is always a great show. Rob Halford, amazing. The band's on fire. I mean, Richie Faulkner has really kind of taken the the role of the kind of the the guitarist of 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 that band, you know. But uh, the other guy did really well too. I mean, the whole the whole thing of, of Priest, I can always Andy appreciate Sneep, them and yeah. always, yeah, Andy Sneap, and I can just always appreciate. It, it just brings everything back home when you really see a show with uh, Judas Priest and stuff. And Uriah Heat warmed up, which, I mean, there, there's another band from way, way, way back that still resonates. And, and you can find some new appreciation for because they they created that thing, too. And from England and the hard rock, heavy metal, they were they were the one of the preeminence. Really yeah. In, in my opinion, Uriah Heap. Now, I'm not an expert on the band. I, I have a couple of their records through the years. Um, but when you look back at it and you you read what historians like Ma- Martin Popoff, who have really truly studied the the heavy metal movement in our form, I mean Uriah Heap is one of the architects for sure, and mm-hmm. they don't get as much credit as Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and and Led Zeppelin for starting this hard rock movement. But but they were there and they were definitely an important element in the late '60s, early '70s for taking things to a kind of new level, in my opinion. And I would have to say, I mean, those two bands, Iron Maiden especially, it, it was probably like the best show. I, anytime I've seen Iron Maiden, hands down, it's so good. They're so good. Um, we There was a place, they played out here at the Bank of California Stadium, and right. it's a big new facility that they had made. And uh, the place was packed, sold out, and it was just an awesome show. They deliver every time. So I was really blessed to go see that show. Um, I saw Yuli Roth earlier this year. Amazing. I've never seen him play live. Never seen him play live. Wow. The amazing thing about him, he embraces the Scorpions, his era of Scorpions, which is great. And he's flawless. And the band that he has... They're flawless too. I mean, every everybody's firing on all cylinders. No lazy guys in that band whatsoever. Right. See, for Great me, show. I don't know much about him in the Scorpions except one record, Taken by Force, you know, uh, which is a great, great record. I mean, top of the bill, one of the Scorpions' best songs. But I, I don't, I don't know uh, a lot more about him. And it's funny because as a kid, 
again, this goes back like like I'd see him on the album covers and I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy that album cover because it's got a hippie on it. You know, he he had that hippie look, you know, in the 80s. I'm, I'm dead serious. And I was like, I didn't get into the Taken by Force record until many, many years later. Of course, back in the 80s, I loved Love Drive. I loved, you know, um, uh, I'm going blank here. I loved uh, Animal uh, Magnetism. Mag- yeah. And. You know, I was a big fan when Rocky Like the Hurricane, Rocky Like a Hurricane hit was all over that album. Uh, big City Nights, and you know, I, just uh, Blackout was a big record for me. So I was all over that stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to buy that record because I turned it over and I saw a picture of Yuli John Roth, and I was like, "What the fuck? It's a hippie. I'm not buying a record with a hippie on it." You know what I mean? And I was, yeah. I mean, that's how shallow I. <laughs> I was, but that was that was the eighties, man. I mean I mean that's that was like people weren't into Sabbath. People weren't into Bell Bottoms in nineteen eighty six. That was you know, Bell Bottoms and and Converse sneakers, that that was like the that was like if you wore that that shit, you were you were out of it. You were old man, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, But you, you Lee know, John I, Roth, I'm sorry I went off on a tangent. Good good oh, show. Great show, phenomenal. That was back in March. You know, it's the nice thing about it. I always try to catch the bands that are in the clubs that, you know, I saw Danko Jones at this dive bar in Long Beach. Great show, phenomenal. Cool. I mean, this guy is just... Denko Jones just doesn't get enough credit for. Oh, he's who great. He is. He's great. I, I, I love, I love his music and think he's so talented. I do have to say it was one of my. Uh, biggest letdowns for an interview in in the 2019 i don't know i i just had such high hopes that it was going to be this amazing interview and i don't know we just didn't really vibe on the phone it was fine there was nothing wrong with it but there's certain times i interview somebody and there's like just a total connection and the interview flows and i don't know like he and i for whatever reason i I was sad about it afterwards the interview Mm -hmm. turned out fine i think it even got a headline here or there but it was just like, I don't know, there was no connection. But the show was good. The show was good. Phenomenal. And awesome. like I said, I really like to see these world-class bands that can tour the world and play in stadiums in Europe. And they play a, a dive bar in, in Long Beach, California. Right. It's such a great thing. Really, A lot of people there? Part of. Um, yeah, it was a fairly packed place. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just great. You know, you can walk in there and have a beer and just – be home by 11, you know, or by 12 right, and not right, worry about it. You know, right local on. show. Same with Fu Manchu. I saw Fu Manchu back in October. Awesome show at another dive bar or club in Santa Ana, which is close by us. Um, they're another great band, you know. They just don't they they don't get the, 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 the kudos that they deserve, but they're hardworking, tight as hell, and they do what they do. They're, their sound is, you know, you, it is what it is, and you can yeah. appreciate it. I saw so. them in 2019 also, and they destroyed so freaking good. Stoner rock at its at its greatest. I mean, you know, the cover of Godzilla, their tune Mongoose. All, they just pulled out all, all the stuff you'd want to hear from Fu, Ma, Fu Manchu. Um, you know, hard-driving, riff-driven, stoner rock metal uh, so good so good love those guys i would have to say my top show though for the year and it was it only happened out here it was the chris cornell tribute concert oh okay now, right 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 i saw some clips and it was good 
Oh, amazing. I think they did a stellar job of the lineups that they had there. And it covered all the bases of Chris Cornell's career. And the people just really brought their own, I guess, take on what Chris Cornell was, but they did it justice. And the concert was really long. It was like four hours, but there was not a downtime whatsoever. No boredom whatsoever. Everybody, And apparently this is going to be some somewhere down the line. It's going to be on home video or, or it's going to be on okay. one of the time or HBO. So I think everybody will get a chance. I don't know if it's going to be a condensed version of the concert. Like I said, it was four hours. So maybe Tell us some of the people who were a part of the tribute concert. Uh, well, obviously Metallica, they played like five songs. They did some, they reached into some old Soundgarden songs and, you know, um, Obviously, if you're really sub pop uh, uh, sound guard, or probably it could have been the SST stuff. They were never on sub pop. What am I saying? Yeah, the old SST stuff. They they ended up playing, I think, two old uh, um, SST catalog songs. So it was really kind of cool, you know. They just kind of brought it uh, to the thing. Um, Miley Cyrus. That was a weird kind of thing. I'm like, ah, is this really gonna work? And she bombed kind of on the first song that she did. I can't remember what she did or who she was with because it was different, different constellations of really high profile artists that were performing. But the second song she did, and I can't remember what it was. She killed it. She really killed it. I was really, really impressed. Uh, I saw a clip of her doing uh, the Temple of the Dog song, right? Say hello to heaven. Yeah. yeah. I think that could be it. And I yeah. thought it was good. I thought, I mean, you know, it's like is she, I, okay, I get it. It's Miley Cyrus and, you know, a lot of old school hard rock guys and heavy metal guys aren't going to even give her a chance because of her Disney past and, you know, poppy past and stuff. But I, I there's something about her that I like. I, I have to say there's something real about her. And I, I saw her doing that song, uh, Say Hello to Heaven by Temple of the Dog, a clip of that, and I was quite impressed. And I've seen her like do Pink Floyd stuff and I've seen her, you know, rocking the Metallica uh, and Iron Maiden shirts and stuff. And I get it. You know, she's a pop star, you know, and she does pop music. But I don't know. I, I, I like it that she seems to have a true respect for rock and i don't think it's a poser thing like where she's just wearing an iron maiden shirt i think she actually and she said it that she likes the band i think she has an appreciation for classic hard rock classic rock like pink floyd and anybody who gets out there and plays the good true rock for a younger generation who is not going to get exposed to it Otherwise, I'm I'm all for. So if Miley Cyrus, even though she's a pop star, somehow exposes a younger bunch of kids to a Pink Floyd song or a Soundgarden song or Temple of the Dog song, I'm 100 percent in. I think it's great. Oh, absolutely. I think that's probably you just said it perfectly because that's that's right. You know, there's a lot of there's going to be a drop off of of music fans that are just going to miss out on something. And sometimes people revisit things. Sure. And that I'm sure that happens a lot, but it sometimes it takes one person or a couple people to really kind of bring it out in the forefront and expose it in a different way to really intrigue people and keep the, keep, keep the fires burning really, because these artists, I mean, they're here on this planet for a short amount of time and they deliver, especially a guy like Chris Cornell, amazing, artist, individual, 
songwriter, whatever you would bring. He, he was the complete package, you know? So in this environment, during this concert, with all these different people of eclectic tastes, you know, we had Chris Stapleton, Ziggy Marley, like I said, Metallica. There was an ensemble with Geezer Butler, like a, a Tom Morello, a, a bunch of different people doing the kind of the hard rock side of Soundgarden. So it's amazing all the sides that were represented. This happened at the Forum back in January, but it's still a memorable concert for me. I think it was one of my favorite concerts, definitely for 2019. Cool. Yeah. Well, I could tell you, you got any more or can I, I'll list off a few yeah. on. Yeah, go, go for yours. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's so many and I'm I literally the only way I'm remembering these is I'm going through my Facebook page, <laughs> looking at what I posted, but Damon Johnson back in January, uh, played a, a little club in New York City, and it, it was such a great show, busting through, like, his career. Like, it was a career re- retrospective, you know. You got Alice Cooper and Thin Lizzy songs and, you know, covers of Thin Lizzy songs, but you also got his stuff from, you know, uh, Brother Kane and, uh, you know, so much, so much stuff, his solo album stuff and... Black Star Riders stuff. It was just a great night, and it was just one great song after another performed in front of a relatively small crowd, which it just bums me out. I mean, last night, like I said, I saw Last in Line, another great show, and they've been through my area a number of times within the last four years, three years, like almost too many times. And I it, it, it saddened me that, that the club was half full I mean this is a club I mean you got a member of Black Sabbath you got a member of Ozzy Osbourne's band on stage you got uh, you know a member of of Dio and and Def Leppard on stage Def Leppard you know fills fills an arena easily in this area and it was it was like a hundred people in the club you know it was which is just crazy to me but anyways those were two great shows and many in between Warrant you know, I was never a Warrant guy back in the day, but every time I see them, they're so good. I saw them twice this year. The first time was really, really great in New Jersey at Starland Ballroom. Um, trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the two big guys for me were Iron Maiden and Kiss this year. Saw Kiss mm-hmm. twice. I had horrible seats at Madison Square Garden um, when they played there, but there was something that was truly magical about that night. And I think I had just as much fun there, if not more fun, than I did when I had third row uh, this fall in New Jersey um, for Kiss again. Iron Maiden I saw this past summer, and there's something religious-like whenever I go see them, and and this was no exception. Um, Saw Ghost a number of times. Uh, They're always a a band that I love. Trying to think of who else... Um, Oh, you saw Guns N' Roses. Guns uh, N' Roses was good. Guns N' Roses was good. I, I, I was my my mindset was a little off for that because they they went on at eleven p.m. You know, Cali time, which for me was uh, like two two in, two in the morning. Yeah, so I was a little tired, but but they were great. They were great. Definitely saw saw Cheap Trick. I wouldn't put them quite up there it was kind of a weird i saw cheap trick in new jersey it's kind of a weird set like too many deep cuts for me i was more the i'm more the casual cheap trick guy 
I, I saw Cheap Trick too. They played out here. It was for um, we have a, a Navy installation out here, and they had like their Navy night, and they were the band that was playing. I guess last year Vince Neil's band played, but it was in front of an aircraft carrier down into the port of San Pedro, and they were the band that played. And I mean, that was the first time I seen Cheap Trick. That's one band I missed. And yeah, they did play a lot of deep cuts and you know they've they've aged a little bit i'm just bit not and, a yeah. i'm not a deep cut guy when it comes to cheap trick yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but yeah i was glad it's on though yeah for sure yeah definitely and uh fate's warning and queen's that was fun although i will say that this this that there was a double bill i will say this year when i saw jeff tate play i was almost a little more excited than i had been uh at the at the queen's concert i also saw this year um, trying to think. Yeah, Fu Manchu I saw up at Heavy Montreal, and they they really oh, wow. were one of my favorite bands. Uh, I think at M three this year, I thought Quiet Riot really stole the show. Kingdom Come and Quiet Riot were really really great, and James Durbin was a big part of the reason Quiet Riot was so great. So I was sad to hear that he was out of Quiet Riot uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago. Um, so, yeah, but I guess there's so many that I could go on because Emily and I go to a ton of concerts. But I guess the two that rise to the top for me, you know, in 2018, I would have I probably would have said Ghost. But this, and I saw Ghost twice this year. But I think this year for me, the two biggies that were just emotionally, kind of, uh, and spiritually, and and musically, the ones that meant the most to me were were Iron Maiden and. And both KISS shows that I saw in, in, New, in Newark, New Jersey, and in uh, Manhattan, New York City. So I'll go with those two because there were a lot of other shows. But I think those were my favorites. It's very hard to pick because, you know, when you go out and you specifically see these artists, it's, it's a big deal because it's like part of our music catalog, you know. And we're putting down money or we're paying for a T-shirt or buying a piece of merchandise you know i'm all in you know I'm, i want to support these bands in any sort of way so it's really hard to pick one because there's also all these dimensions of different bands you know we talked about fu manchu which is kind of a stoner rock thing iron maiden or denko jones or yuli roth that's kind of foot you know in the, the the footstep back into the 70s with you know uriah heap and you know so it's hard to really pick you know i mean sebastian Definitely. bach that was a killer show killer show he went through he played uh slave to the grime uh front and back and uh brent woods was playing with them he's an amazing guitarist uh, so all these shows it's really hard to pick you know who i had fun yeah, but, seeing and i wasn't even really like i'm not even like a major fan like i like i really like a lot of his radio stuff but uh freaking brian adams saw him this year man it's so freaking good and again i never bought a. I don't think i ever bought one brian adams record i think i, I had a few of his songs that i like taped off the radio as a kid but i i don't think i ever bought a record as a kid but man he was great there's a guy i'm sure he brings it i mean he's definitely yeah i, I would like to see him not just because like you say just kind of more of the casual fan but when you grow up with this sort of stuff it really sticks as time goes on you know you're like yeah hey, that's that was a good song hey not bad you know absolutely so I'm, I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk uh, is there any shows you're looking forward to by the end of the year that you're on your radar um you know it's weird the shows really drop off at least in my neck of the woods the the, the tours and, and concerts it's like this december and 
January and a lot of times February are really are really dry. Um, I think we're going to go see maybe the cult and maybe rat. I think that's in December um, in, in New Jersey. So I'm looking for, I'm, you know, I'm always looking forward to those. I, my goal for 2020 is, you know, in previous years, I've gotten to a lot of like uh, non-metal shows, non-hard rock shows. And I feel like in 2019, there was really only one or two of those for me. So I, I, I like to stay diverse. So one of my goals is to kind of expand the boundaries of my concert going experience, my 2019 concert going experience um, in 2020. But I'm always looking forward to Heavy Montreal. I'm always looking forward to M3. Um, what else? Ozzy Osbourne is on the calendar. The makeup show at the Garden. Looking forward to that. I have really good seats for that. And I don't really know right now what other shows I have tickets for. So, so I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay, no worries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about we you? Have some good ones. We have some good ones. We got a King Diamond uh, Uncle Acid show at the, in December. Okay, cool. I like Uncle cool. Acid, by the way. Good stuff. Pretty I think cool. I played a track of theirs on a previous episode here. I, had you seen them before? I oh. have not, no. Good band. Good band. I, yeah. they're, they're really good. Uh, we have Slayer. It's kind of closing out at the Forum out here in November. Uh, High on Fire with Power Trip. It should be a good show. It's out here at the Observatory in Santa Ana. Cool. Uh, Dark Angel. Um, not Dark Angel. Death Angel at the, Death the Whiskey. Angel, right. And uh, Metal Blade does this brewery uh, uh, show where they combine two nights and they bring out thrash bands, Metal Blade underground bands. I think Possess is going to play. Violence is reforming to play play this. So that would be a really cool yeah, thing. Yeah, Possess have been doing some shows. So, that, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, there's that. that's happening. And Mr. Bungle is doing like a three night thing. Right, I heard the, that. I heard Scott Ian's playing with him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty. That's probably going to be the show of the year as far as uh, that kind of ilk of of artists and and Mr. Bungle is kind of so eclectic for people that never got a chance to see them. This is their opportunity, and I'm sure it's going to be a highly coveted ticket. So, yeah, I, I guess Absolutely. I'll probably see at least three of those shows. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've never seen Mr. Bungle. I saw, like, Tomahawk and some of Mike Patton's other stuff, Fontamus, uh, but never saw Mr. Bungle. So, all right, Carl. Well, I have to wrap it up and go to bed. So, <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, long, but, hey. Yeah. Good talk you do. I'm glad we caught up. And uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do it sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It is Sunday night. We are recording this just for the for the record on November 10th. I, I hope to post it on the 12th, um, but but we'll see. So uh, as always, it was great hanging with you in L.A. I really appreciate you taking the time to come down and hang with Emily and I at the Rainbow. And as always, thank you for joining me here on the Talking Metal Podcast. Great talking to you mark we'll talk to you soon all right cool and to take us out we're gonna do a little iron maiden this is going way back let's hit some uh, paul diano era iron maiden this is murders in the rue morgue mm-hmm.